Number one, stop giving credit to your abusers. Number two, you are far stronger than you ever possibly could imagine. And number three, if you don't know what resources are available to you, that is the same thing as not knowing that you have any options at all. Welcome to Be Bold Branding, where we discuss the power of differentiating yourself through your own unique story and standout personal brand. Have you experienced personal trauma in your life? And if so, what are the positives you've taken from that experience? Now, I realize that seems like a strange question, but after our conversation with today's guest, you'll clearly understand why this interview is so important. Amanda Blackwood is a survivor of human trafficking. The experience was life-changing, but not only for her, because now she's a trauma recovery mentor, working with others who have been through trauma themselves. She's the author of Growth from Darkness. She's also a professional artist and an accomplished public speaker and podcaster on the topic of trauma recovery. Today, we'll hear Amanda's story and talk about how she's focusing on the positives with her brand. Amanda, welcome to Be Bold Branding. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to get to know you guys and have our conversation today. So are we. What a story. Absolutely. Do you want to dive into it a little bit? Like share with us your motivating factors that led you to where you are right now? Absolutely. I have no problem with that. It's kind of a long and complex story, so I'll kind of truncate it a little bit. I went through some incredible amounts of abuse and trauma for the first 31 years of my life. But it didn't stop just because I managed to get away from the bad people. I was continually attacked. It was after one of those attacks, it just recently in 2019, when I decided to start opening up and not just have a voice, but to scream it from the top of the mountains that I have a voice and you can't ever hurt me again. And now it's time that I help others to get away from that hurt also. Very good. Wow. Can you tell us like, you know, how that trauma started for you? You know, if you don't mind sharing a little bit about how that started for you and at what point you realized that you could get out of it. It's quite the story. So the first time I was ever molested, I was only four years old. It was from my older brother, who was only seven at the time, and he shouldn't have known the things that he knew. So as I grew up, as I remembered this in my 20s, I also had to face the facts that he didn't do this to me because he wanted to. He did this to me because somebody else had done or shown him something and he was trying to process it and understand it. And I don't blame him for what happened. I did for a long time and I went through a lot of anger. But he did again when I was 12. Mm. My uncle molested me when I was 13. I was molested again at 15, again at 16, um, multiple times throughout the teen years. I was raped at 17. When I was 18 years old, I was out on my own, and my boyfriend at the time, whom I was living with, was more than twice my age, and I was trafficked for the first time. I was trafficked again at 19 years old in a completely different state under completely different circumstances while I was attempting to fight homelessness of myself. And the last time I was trafficked, I was actually 31 years old, and a lot of people ask, one of the first things I get is, how old were you when you were trafficked? And that's because we have been pre-programmed here in this country to believe that trafficking only happens to children when people under the age of 18 only make up one quarter of the victims worldwide. Most victims of trafficking are over the age of 18. Another question I repeatedly have gotten is, well, how can this happen three different times? The average number of times that somebody falls into trafficking 
is actually seven. The fact that it only happened to me three times means I was extremely lucky. But it has everything to do with patterns in our lives. You know, when we grow up in a household where we know that the people who love us are the people who also hurt us. My father was physically abusive. My mother was emotionally and mentally abusive. And I already covered what my brother did. When that's your whole world growing up, you grow up understanding that the people who love you will also hurt you. And if they don't hurt you, that means they don't love you. And being treated as a sex object, starting at four years old and growing up like this, I learned that people were going to take what they wanted from me, whether I gave it to them freely or not. It's really easy to fall into these vicious cycles after a while. How do you break a pattern when that pattern is all you've ever known? <laughs> and that really leads to, you mentioned forgiveness earlier about your brother, and I'm quite certain maybe it even with others that have harmed you, because that's a part of growth, don't you think? What would you tell people out there listening that would say about, you know, how I can never forgive my oppressor, or what would you shed light on that thought process? If you were to step on my toe by accident, you would tell me, oh, I'm sorry, right? My first reaction would be to say, oh, that's okay, because I know you didn't mean it. We have been conditioned to believe that that's what forgiveness means, is telling somebody that what they did to you is okay. Going through what I went through is not okay. And the people who hurt me and did these things to me, that'll never be okay. But that doesn't mean that I have to hang on to that anger and that hatred and that resentment and allow that to control and manipulate my life any longer. I did for so long, and as I was living in that space, I found that I stayed in the victim mentality. And that's a dangerous place to be, because as long as you play the victim, you're more susceptible to continually being a victim. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness is letting go of all of that pent-up anger and frustration. I've heard it said many times that being angry at somebody else and expecting them to feel it is like drinking poison and expecting them to die. You're right. You can't live your life in that place. It's a scary, dark place to be. The second you let go of all of that anger, that is true forgiveness. That is not saying it's okay what you did to me. It's saying you don't control me anymore. And what you did to me is in the past. I'm walking away. Mm -hmm. I think that's so powerful, Amanda. Like most people, including me and Tanya, cannot compare to the type of trauma that you've had. But every human being fights a battle of some kind. And we have alcoholism, abuse in our past and with our families and things like that. And we couldn't agree with you more. Like holding on to those things is uh, such a detriment to moving forward and moving forward in growth and positivity is really the goal that we all should be shooting for. Whether that's making our personal changes for our personal, for, you know, personal reasons or even for financial reasons and growth in business. And so we couldn't agree with you more that that is literally the way you have to look at it. But I do like how you pointed that out. We are conditioned to think that, you know, forgiveness comes to with oh, open arms and here, you know, I'm available for you to do it again. And that's just definitely not the definition of forgiveness. You do not have to continually put yourself in harm's way, you know, under the guise of I have to forgive. No, it's more about letting it go for yourself. So you're untethered to those things that have hurt, hurt you. My, the last time I saw my family was in 2009. The last time I spoke to any of them, it was with my mother in an email in 2013. After all those years of them constantly abusing me and finding ways to manipulate me and drag me down 
and force me into silence. I finally said, I've had enough. I love you and I will always love you, but I have no room in my life for you anymore. It was one of the hardest things I ever did, but I also let her know that I forgive her. Mm -hmm. Like that is superhero stuff. I mean, seriously, I mean, there's such a somber moment going on right now. And for the people who are listening, this somber moment sets the backdrop for the positivity you're about to hear because you took your situation and well, you've done many things, but let's start with this. You've written a dozen books on this topic. Tell me at what point did you decide to write that book series, Growth from Darkness? That one came about actually towards the beginning of this year. It was something that I'd had in my brain for a long time. So I've been a prolific writer for a long time. I wrote my autobiography and released that on my 10-year anniversary of freedom from human trafficking. And I'd written a lot about my other experiences, but people continually, every time they read one of my books is, how did you get to that point? How did you understand that this is what you needed to be able to grow from the past that you had come through? How did you understand this about yourself? I had been reading about psychology since I was just a kid. I wanted to understand why these things happened. I wanted to know why is this my existence and why do these things seem to circle around me like I'm circling a drain? I needed to understand because I wanted to break those cycles, even as a 14, 15, 16-year-old kid that had already experienced so much trauma. Throughout all of that, I dug in and I started to understand how neurosynapses in our brains function and how they grow. I've since been able to watch scientific videos of those neurosynapses growing, and it's just fascinated me. So I'm a high school dropout with no college education, and I didn't believe in myself for a long time. I saw where I really had no value to this world because I didn't have that education, because that's, again, what I had been led to believe. I also grew up being told that I was ugly and stupid most of my life, but that didn't stop me from modeling for Harley Davidson and going to college for physics eventually. I was not going to let what other people were telling me hold me back because I had done enough research in psychology on my own to understand that that is what holds back so many people. We have these imposter syndromes that prevent us from wanting to add value to the world. But as people kept on coming to me and asking me, how do you do this? I want to do what you did. How do I overcome this? That's when I finally sat down and said, you know, I've got the skills to be able to do this. And I know that I know how to teach people because I've been teaching people different things for many years. It's time that I put all of my experiences and all of my skills in writing and all of my skills in speaking and teaching and performing and put it all together and really help to people to crawl out of that darkness and learn how to grow on their own. Uh, I love it. I mean, that is the key and the crux of everything. And I, that mindset that leads to, I'm better than this. I'm smarter than this. I'm not going to listen to everybody that tells me differently. It's so important, especially in the world we live, especially in the internet-based world, right? Where you just got so much negativity out there. Your message is spot on. And it's proof that people can really experience the worst of humanity, right? And still rise above. And then in it rising above, say, I want to help other people to rise above and take that experience and turn it to something that can help so many people is just applaudable for sure. Absolutely. Fantastic. Hey, we all, yes, yes. You know, we also heard that you are currently in talks to maybe make a documentary about your life. Tell us a little bit about that. So I did have somebody reach out to me last year 
and they are currently in the talks and discussions of turning my autobiography into either a film or a limited series. I am really excited about it. It might take a few years to make this happen because I know they have a backlog of different things that they're working on. And by then the book might have gone through a couple more revisions because that's what authors do, constantly trying to rebrand their books. But I'm really proud of this. When I first sat down to write the book, it was at the end of therapy sessions. I had another really big trauma come up in 2019, a severe attack. And I started therapy, and it was the first time in my adult life that I had talked to a therapist. I was terrified of it. I had a terrible therapist when I was a kid, and she kind of ruined me for everything. And the first therapist that I talked to, she was not ready for me. I swear, I think she left the industry completely, and I traumatized the poor woman. (laughs) But the second therapist I talked to was amazing. She was a no-nonsense kind of person, and you can probably tell from talking to me at this point that kind of what I would need in my world. (laughs) She pulled no punches. She told it like it was, and I respected her for that. She was amazing. It's like, that's the kind of person I want to be. I didn't realize I already was. (laughs) Right. You know, okay, now you hit upon a great point there. And, you know, we do personal branding. It's all we do. We help people build profitable personal brands. But, you know, when they first come to us, they don't really understand or realize their own power. They don't know that a lot of people will say to us, oh, you built such a beautiful brand for me. Now I have to live up to my brand. And we have to stop them and say, no, wait a minute. We just built that brand to try to live up to you. (laughs) And at that moment, there's just a moment of silence, usually, where they're really taking that in and understanding that is them just put out there in a creative format that they've never been able to do or didn't know how to do before. So I think it just all really begins with looking internally and accepting that you are enough, you are more than enough, you know, and to discount everybody else who's telling you otherwise. Was there any particular defining moment for you, Amanda, where you thought, this is exactly how I'm going to get out of this? Or this is exactly what I'm going to do with my life because of this. It was a big one, actually. In February of 2018, I had found out from a friend of mine that there was a local anti-trafficking conference here in Colorado. And at the time, I didn't know that what I had been through could even have a name like this. I just thought it was domestic violence. And I told my friend, you know, I'd love to go, but right now I am flat broke. I've got maybe 60 bucks to last me the rest of the month and the tickets are $35. And this friend of mine said, well, you don't have to worry about that. I already bought your ticket. So I went to this event and I was sitting in the front row because I was all about wanting to save the lost kids being snatched up by total strangers in windowless vans, not realizing that that's not what human trafficking was. You know, most people are trafficked by people they already know and trust and love and people with a sense of authority over their lives. The last man that trafficked me was a man I'd known for seven years. He was a police officer. Wow. So here I was sitting in the front row of this event and geared up to help and wanting to get involved and learning about all these different organizations. And they had a panel of speakers up on the stage and they were talking about how to define what human trafficking is. And the Department of Homeland Security defines it as the use of force, fraud, or coercion to obtain labor or sex acts from another person. And you notice there's no mention of transporting a person from one place to another. There's no mention of exchanging of monies. So when we're talking about human smuggling across the borders, that's not human trafficking. That's something else. It's still an issue that needs to be addressed. 
And when we're talking about prostitution, prostitution does not automatically equal human trafficking, and human trafficking does not automatically equal prostitution. They're both issues that need to be addressed. I didn't know that at the time. I thought human trafficking was children and prostitutes, and that was it. And I was neither when these things happened to me. So they opened up this panel to questions. And my question was going to be, how long does it take for somebody who's been through all of this to have a normal life? Mm. I was 38. I was still struggling. I didn't know how I was going to make it from one day to the next with everything that I had going around in my brain. I was not as healed as I wanted to believe I was when I was just finding this out. And they brought the microphone over to me because I raised my hand. And while I was sitting there waiting for the microphone, I started to shake. And they brought the microphone over. And what came out of my mouth instead of the question was, I'm a survivor. Not survivor. And I need help. Oh, wow. wow. Powerful. Powerful. It was the first time I ever knew that I was a survivor. It was the first time those words had ever come out of my mouth. It was the first time I ever figured out how to ask for help. And then that moment, I realized that what I wanted to do more than anything else was to be on that same stage that following year to talk about my story. And that's exactly where I was. Oh, wow. Wow. You just blew me away. That's awesome. That is more than awesome. That's unbelievable, Amanda. Unbelievable. So if there's somebody out there listening to you right now who hasn't reached that defining moment that you've already crossed, what would you say to them that could help them in that situation? Number one, stop giving credit to your abusers. The quote, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger, is giving credit to the abusers. The man who originally said that was Frederick Nietzsche in the 1800s. That man died in an insane asylum. We don't need to be taking his words of advice anymore. Bravo. (laughs) Number two, you are far stronger than you ever possibly could imagine. And that's the reason that you're still alive right now in spite of everything that you've been through. Sometimes you got to dig real deep to find a little bit more strength to be able to get out of these situations, but you've got it in you and you can do this. And number three, if you don't know what resources are available to you, that is the same thing as not knowing that you have any options at all. If you don't have options, you feel trapped, you feel stuck. Reach out to somebody that you know can help you. Reach out to me, reach out to any counselor or therapist in your area. And if you're not comfortable calling 911 to talk to the police, check out that new phone number 988. They pair you with a therapist and somebody with lived experience who can talk you through all of this stuff. And in some cases actually show up at your door and help you get out. Well, we've come a long way, mm-hmm. a long way. And I know there's been a lot of focus on it. I have a friend, Marlene, who is a survivor of human trafficking. I met her four years ago in Columbus, Ohio, and she is like you. She's doing a lot of great things for the cause. I'll introduce the two of you when we finish the show today, but she's a phenomenal lady and it wasn't just her childhood either. It was part of her adulthood. Mm. And so that backs up, you know, a a statistic that you claim that only 25% are under the age of 18. And I too have just been educated today. I also thought that, you know, human trafficking was more like human smuggling, right? Mm-hmm. And I just didn't realize, I knew that a lot of times people were trafficked by the people they know and love and trust, but I didn't realize that it was so prevalent uh, compared to smuggling. And like you said, all of those issues need tension. 
and repetitive, right? Like those limiting yeah. beliefs that cause people to, can, all of us in some way, shape or form, but to continue those same patterns over and over and over again, and many times not even realizing. And you've written a series now about that, right? Growth from Darkness. You want to tell the audience about that? Absolutely. So the first book is about the stages of trauma, which mirror the stages of grief. And if you think about it, that makes perfect sense because when severe trauma happens to you, you have changed as a person. You have these new neurosynapses that turn you into a completely different person. You're going to react to different to different situations, different smells, different sights. Your life is never going to be the same. So it is perfectly natural that for you to go through the stages of grief as stages of trauma because you're grieving for the person that you will never be again. You're grieving for what you've lost. For some, it's a loss of a limb. For others, it's a loss of an innocence. So they go through the stages of depression, bargaining, anger, denial, acceptance, all of that. I know I've got those out of order, but that's the way our brains work too. Yeah. Just because there's an order to those stages doesn't mean that we are going to go through them in linear phases. Oh, that's a good point too. Because we think of scientific things like that as, okay, I must be in this phase now, and next is coming this. But you can't always guarantee what's coming next. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and yeah. typically the first one is denial. But when you get down to the, to the level of acceptance, that doesn't mean that you're going to stay at the uh, final stage of acceptance for the rest of your life. You can absolutely bounce back and forth significantly throughout your life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When I first started doing podcast and radio interviews, I had my own parents reach out to one particular radio station and tell them, my mother said, you should do a better job of vetting the guests you have on your radio show because as her mother, I can tell you the truth isn't in her. I took that to heart and it hurt and I shot straight back into the denial phase. What if this didn't happen and it's all in my head? The early abuse. What if she's right? And then I went into the bargaining phases almost immediately of, I can make people believe me. I don't need to make people believe me. My story is what it is. <laughs> if I tell it with enough conviction, they're going to believe me. And if they don't, that's their problem, not mine. Yes. That's so true. That's so true. And it aligns so well with what we're doing here. You know, some people may think, why are we interviewing you because of your books? And it, because your personal brand is the result of who you are due to the journey you have walked, right? Mm -hmm. And you have taken that so beautifully and twisted and turned it to help other people that, wow, what a personal brand. Yeah, you took extreme negativity, turning it into extreme positivity. And that is really the key. I mean, and that is the goal of a good personal brand. It's the goal of a good person. And, you good know, point. the coping skills to that are so powerful, embolden people not to stay in that position. Like you said, where if you have these limiting beliefs of victimization, even if you were absolutely a victim, but if you stay in that thought process, you are most vulnerable to remaining a victim. And you don't get a chance to overcome that and enjoy what life should be. And, uh, and you are a champion for that. And so I thank you so much for that right off the bat and encourage everybody to reach out to you and growthfromdarkness.com and see how this message can be positive in every aspect of their lives, no matter what trauma they've been through. Yeah. 
Any final words for our listeners? Amanda, we just want to thank you so much for spending your time with us today. Of course. Thank you. My final words would be, if you're ready to have the life that you've been denied, then you're ready to do the hard work in yourself to find out how. You don't have to learn it from me. You can learn it from a therapist, a psychologist. You can learn it through neuroscience. You can learn it from proper counselors and churches. Whatever it takes, you're ready to do the hard work in yourself. If I hadn't done the hard work in myself, I wouldn't have this beautiful, successful marriage that I have now. Well, congratulations to you, and you totally deserve it. Thank you. Brought to you by BrandFace, the only comprehensive personal brand building system across the globe.